Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. On a day where a team won 19 zip, you assume that would be the biggest margin of victory, right? Wrong. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, September 10th. Frank Stample alongside Scott White. And how about them Braves? Normally we start with, oh my goodness gracious, and we're going to get there. Don't you worry. But for now, it's all Braves all the time. Final score, 29-9. to The Atlanta Braves over the Miami Marlins. What's up, Scott? Where would you like to start with this team? Oh, man. I don't even know where to start. It's like a whole lineup full of, oh my goodness gracious. Actually, I do know where to start because the most, oh my goodness gracious performance of all was Mr. Adam Duvall. Okay. Remember how when Adam Duvall had that three homer game, oh, about a week ago, I, we, we talked about how he might be useful for power, but you're not, I, I think I explicitly said, you're not going to get another three homer game from him. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I lied because you did, provided you started him, provided you started him. He hit three home runs in this 29 to nine route. He drove in nine runs, scored five times, even chipped in two walks. Uh, it was, it was a lifetime once in a lifetime performance. I would say, except, you know, he had something similar a week ago. He's, he's now up to eight home runs in his past eight games he has 13 home runs on the season. Uh, and I got to tell you, Frank, I got to tell you, I'm in a mighty fine mood today because I, I, I did not have the foresight of this particular thing happening. That, that was not something that crossed my mind. And yet somehow, some way, I ended up starting Austin, uh, I'm sorry, Adam Duvall in six of my leagues this what? week. Six. What? Yeah, as the Joker would say. Six. Are yeah. you serious? It yes. Six. <laughs> every single roto, every single mixed roto I'm, league I'm in, two fifteen teamers, two twelve teamers, including Tout Wars and TGFBI. I started him in my big important twenty four team dynasty league. Uh I got a lot of Adam Duvall this week. I had I think I had one share of Adam Duvall last week. I think we talked about earlier this week when I was I was kind of hyping Bobby Dahl back. I was telling you, in a lot of my road leagues, the category I need the most help in right now is home runs. And so I figure, okay, well, the one thing Adam Duvall does is available everywhere. Like I need cheap home runs. That's the one thing this guy does. Five outfielded spots to fill. Let's fill them with one of let's fill one of them with him. Um, so that's great. I'm really excited. I wish I had recommended it to everybody listening. I wish I had recommended it in my top 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I'm going to, at, at the risk of making the same mistake, I'm going to say this isn't going to happen again for Adam Duvall. Uh, he's twice been a 30 homer guy in the majors. And so, like, there's definitely the potential. He gets hot and hits a lot of home runs in a short period of time. He does basically nothing else. Like his, he's outperforming his stat cast measures now. His batting average up to 272. I mean, he's he, he's not going to sustain a 272 batting average. So keep that in mind. But if you're in the same position I am, I, I I know a lot of good it does you now. But there maybe there will be more home runs. If you're in the same position I need am and you need help in that specific category, that's where I think Duvall is uh, useful. And I'm just fortunate that. 
that's the category I needed help in this week. Yeah, and you said that he's available everywhere, and that's pretty much correct. 28% rostered on CBS, so I'd imagine a lot of 12-team leagues where he is available and typically in his career has hit better against lefties than righties. This season, he has an 844 OPS against right-handed pitching and 860 OPS against left-handed pitching, so... He's held his own, and he's pretty much playing every day for the Atlanta Braves, has started nine of the last ten games. So, Scott, let me ask you, if you want to add Adam Duvall, then you have to drop someone for him. Would you be able? Would you be willing to drop Austin Meadows, who we spoke about yesterday, for Adam Duvall? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Like I said, it's it's I see him as a category specialist, mm-hmm. basically. So well, he's not like a must roster player because of this. No. 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 I I mean, would you would you disagree? No, I, I don't think that he needs to be owned in three outfielder leagues, head to head points leagues. He still strikes out a ton. But I I could see owning him in all five outfielder leagues. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, at this point, like somebody in your league needs him in a five outfielder league, I'm sure, even if you're not the one who needs help in the home run category. But that's that's really the only way I see him helping going forward. And, you know, maybe in conjunction with that, he helps in RBI too. But I, I don't suspect he's going to help you in batting average from today to the end of the season or in runs scored because he's not a high on base guy. He bats in the lower third of the lineup. You know, that's not, not really on the table. Obviously not a steel source. So it's just home runs, maybe RBI. Or maybe he goes ice cold and he gives you nothing. But if you're if you're if you're trying to catch up in a category for free, uh, and specifically in the home run category for free, I feel like he's one of the best your best options for doing that. All right, the rest of the Braves they scored 29 runs. How did they do it? Ronald Acuna had three hits, a home run, three RBI, and three walks. Just like that, he is up over a 280 batting average, got off to a bit of a slow start. Freddie Freeman, three hits as well, a home run and six RBI. Dansby Swanson, three hits and five runs scored. Ozzie Albies returned to the lineup for the Braves. Here's the catalyst. They just missed Ozzie Albies, my guy. <laughs> they, they hit him eighth, so of yeah. course he got six at-bats. I mean, <laughs> Three hits, a home run, and a stolen base for Ozzie Albies. Really nice return there. Uh, and how did yeah. they score all these runs? Who did they score all of these runs off of? Not great, Bob. Uh. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. How about Pablo Lopez? That's uh, that's a big old yikes. And it seems like Pablo Lopez is good for at least one of these blowups every single season. We've referenced this before. Last year, he had the 10 earned run game against the New York Mets. How about one and two thirds, four hits, seven earned, four walks, back to back, subpar, not even subpar, pretty bad starts for Pablo Lopez here. And not that it's fantasy relevant, but I did want to mention his teammate, Jordan Yamamoto, in relief. Two and two thirds, eleven hits, thirteen runs allowed. Gosh. Yeah, Lopez was not the worst pitcher in that game. Uh, uh, Scott, are we dropping Pablo Lopez? Where are we at? No, I mean, look, we talked about it yesterday. He, he did not look like a good start for today against this Braves lineup. Uh, I don't think any of us were anticipating anything quite this bad. But it just it just seems like he ran into a buzzsaw. Like like I said, Jordan Yamamoto was no match for them either. Really, no pitcher the Marlins threw at this Braves lineup was uh, able to 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 stop the bleeding. And uh, look, even after the really, it's been two bad starts in a row for Pablo Lopez. His ERA has gone from two ten to four fifty over his last two starts, and yet his updated xFIP, even with the even with the numbers from today, is 346, which is a pretty darn good XFIP. I mean, that would put him pretty high on the leaderboard if it was a full-season leaderboard. Obviously, there's some skewed stats uh, at this in, in this short season. So uh, I, he still looks pretty good, even though the past couple of starts have gone well. I, I think this is strong indication he's not a must-start pitcher if you... If you were treating him as such, hopefully you weren't. So it looks like he's going to have a two-start week next week. The Lovely. Mar- the Marlins have nine games next week, and um, 
His first start is expected to come against the Phillies. The second one will either be Boston or against the Nationals. So you might not want to drop him yet because he has those two starts. Um, I, I still think that it's a slam dunk to start him in a points league. Okay. Categories league. That's a little scary. It's a little scary. You might have to weigh how much help you need in wins and strikeouts versus ERA and whip. But uh, in, in points leagues, I think he's still automatic in a two-start week like that. Somebody asked me on Twitter, Scott, if I would drop Pablo Lopez for any of these names, Spencer Turnbull, Seth Lugo, or Sandy Alcantara. Ooh, well, definitely not Turnbull, but the other two are interesting. The other two might be better than Lopez. I actually said I would do it for Alcantara, and I I wanted to ask you because now I'm kind of like second-guessing myself. I think the most exciting of those three is actually Lugo. And he did go five innings his last start. I can't remember what the pitch count was, obviously converting from the bullpen to the rotation for the Mets. And it just seems like the stuff is held up very well with that transition. Uh, and he's, he's been untouchable as a starter brief, though, those start brief, though, those st- brief, though, those starts <laughs> were. And, uh, uh, but Alcantara has been great in two of his three starts too. You know, and he gets a pass for the one where he was bad because he was coming back from a long layoff, a stint on the IL. Um, so, yeah, I, oh man, that's tough. You want to keep Lopez around for the two start week, I feel like. Uh, but I, I do like Lugo, and I think at this point, Alcantara more, yeah. Alcantara does pitch on Thursday when you're listening to this today technically. Um, so see what happens. If you say like, if he pitches well, then yeah, I think it's, that's probably a move that you should make dropping Pablo Lopez for Sandy Alcantara. All right, Scott. Oh my goodness gracious. A Wednesday standout. Who do you got? Should I go with the good one or the bad one? I'm going to talk about both of them anyway. So we're, <laughs> we're extending the, oh my goodness gracious today to three players. So. All right, let's talk about Corbin Burns. I feel like I have more to say about Mr. Burns. Wow. What a start against the Tigers, but still seven innings, one hit, 11 strikeouts, no walks. Uh, he has been awesome since returning to the rotation and i look he had 16 whiffs in this game more sliders the slider has been awesome all year 30 percent whiff rate on the slider which is just you you rarely see that on any pitch for any pitcher 30 percent whiff rate on one like that so he's going to keep throwing that slider to that extent i mean there, there could be some really sunny days ahead for corbin burns uh but what really puts me over the moon is the efficiency he's shown since moving back to the rotation. Cause remember the one concern uh, after they moved him out and he worked in long relief and then he was going back into the rotation first five appearances this season for Corbin Burns, 14 walks in 21 innings. Nobody was hitting him, but that's a terrible walk rate. And how was that going to go? Um, I, I, I think when he was moving back to the rotation, I, I, I expressed hope that the walk rate would just get better, judging by his track record. Uh, and and it, it has immediately. His last four starts, five walks in 24 and a third innings. Remember, that's versus 14 and 21 innings, five and 24 and a third. His strike percentage itself went from 58 in those first five starts to 64 in these this most recent four Um Appearances, not starts. So 58 to 64, which is right at the MLB average 64 is. So he's control is not an issue for him anymore. And in fact, the pitch, he threw 95 pitches in these seven innings. He has yet to, oh, I'm sorry. He, he was less than 95. He's, he has yet to throw 95 pitches in a game this season. And he's been going, uh, he's been going deeper and deeper into games every time out. So like, it's hard to find anything to, to ding burns for at this point. I mean, it just looks awesome. And uh, maybe he is. Maybe he is, Frank. And this is someone we were excited about. I mean, this is part of the reason why 
At some point, we probably told the listeners to drop him, so I'm not going to make it sound like we said hold on to him the entire time. He's bouncing between the the bullpen and the rotation. It was very frustrating. But remember, we were very excited about Burns heading into the season for this very reason, what he's showing right now. Our email of the day from Matthew. He says, I have Burns in a keeper league, and I'm trying to gauge his value moving forward. I'm not going to give you the old who to keep, etc. What I would like is your opinion of what the underlying data shows about him. Is he still a two-pitch pitcher who has benefited from a soft schedule, or is he legitimately breaking out? And Scott, I think you hit on a lot of uh, a ton there, so I don't think we need to spend too much time on this, but I will just say, in terms of the two pitches, according to Fangraphs, Corbin Burns has uses six different pitches at least 9% of the time. That includes a four-seam fastball, a cutter, a sinker, so that's three different iterations of a fastball, a changeup, a slider, and a curveball. So he's yeah, the, like, there's no, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Just like two pitch pitcher. Like that is not the case at all for Corbin, uh, Corbin Burns. And after today's start, his XFIP is 3.20. He leans heavily on a fastball, a cutter and a slider. And the slider is the best one. As I pointed out, uh, when, yeah, I, I don't know how legit those other pitches are in terms. I mean, he doesn't throw them very often. And so I don't know if he's just, he just kind of has them around for a different look or if there's a reason they get mischaracterized based on the velocity he throws them at. Uh, but it's, he's definitely not just a two-pitch pitcher. According to Fangraphs as well, um, he has a positive pitch value on all of these pitches. So, uh, you know, obviously the fastball is his best one, then the slider is the second best, and the cutter is his third. Scott mentioned he leans on those the most, but every one of these pitches has a positive pitch value, so... He looks legit. Scott, let me ask you this. Heading into next season, Corbin Burns or Sixto Sanchez? I don't have to answer right away, Frank. <laughs> I, I, I mean, definitely Burns. Definitely, am I going to say that? Burns looks like the higher ceiling guy right now. He looks like the higher ceiling option. I think, I, th- I feel like Sixto Sanchez, because the control is so good and he has uh, so ground ball oriented that, the floor is just like he he feels like a can't miss prospect to me and he's obviously gotten off to a very good start in his major league career uh, so if you're asking me today if you're asking me today I go burns cuz man I'm excited right now <laughs> <laughs> they're very close if i asked you yesterday you might have said sixto sanchez i'm sure i would have yeah all right so i'm holding you to that scott if you change your mind at all throughout the <laughs> offseason i'm just going to call you out and say no 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 scott you said corbin burns over yeah. sixto sanchez but i i can see why both of those players are going to gain a lot of hype and rightfully so they've been great so the brewers scored 19 runs in this game in terms of run support for corbin burns how did they do that well, that came on Matthew Boyd, a.k.a. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Three yeah. innings, eight hits, seven earned, four walks, two home runs allowed. He was back to the same old Matthew Boyd. What do I have to say about this? He gone, he gone, and he gone, and he gone. He gone, Scott. We're dropping Matthew Boyd everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. When it, if it's going to go this poorly when it goes bad... You know, a, a an encouraging three-start stretch isn't enough to stick with him. And the changeup I was crediting for the turnaround, I mean, he he threw it 24% of the time in this one, and it, it didn't matter. It's a bad lineup he was facing, that Brewers lineup. Gave up two home runs in his three innings, eight hits, four walks. Where did that come from? Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't think... I, I can't imagine him doing anything that that makes me trust him again this season shout out to eric cross on twitter too he does fantastic work with fan tracks he pointed this out worst eras since june 1st of 2019 at least 150 innings pitched matthew boyd has a 5.93 era since then and has allowed 2.52 home runs per nine that is the worst since that span so have no problem dropping matthew boyd i'll just throw a few names your way say yes or no whether or not you would drop boyd for these guys tony gonsolin Yes. Trevor Rogers. Yes. Dane Dunning. Yes. Dean Kramer. Yeah. Tyler yeah. Malley. Oh, yeah. Tariq Skubal. I'm less enthusiastic about this one than those others, but I don't 
see why not. I mean, his last start was good. Maybe he's trending the right direction. Yes, and Tariq Skubal pitches on Thursday as well, so let's see how he does. Davey Garcia. Yeah, that was that could have been, oh my goodness gracious, if there, there wasn't so many other things going on today. He had a very strong performance for the Yankees, so I would... I would be happy to drop Boyd for Davey Garcia. Don't look now. The Bronx Bombers are back. Last name I'll ask you about, Keegan Aiken. Would you drop Boyd for Keegan Aiken? Uh, I, I don't care enough about Keegan Aiken to do that, but I would not miss Boyd if you wanted to do it. News and notes. Rowdy Telez was placed on the aisle with a knee injury Wednesday and is expected to miss the rest of the regular season. Christian Javier won't start during the two-game series against the Dodgers this weekend, so if you were depending on a two-star week, it's not happening, which is unfortunate. Justin Verlander threw a 50, threw 50 to 55 pitches in a bullpen session on Wednesday. He is still without an official timetable. Jameson Tyone threw 25 pitches at the Pirates' alternate training site Wednesday. He's not going to return this season. But, Scott, any interest in picking Jameson Tyone up in a keeper league where you know, maybe you can keep him for like a last round pick if you just oh, pick yeah. him up now. I love it. I love it. I I have him stashed away. Granted, it's a 24 teamer, uh, but I think he's, I think there's a very good chance he's like a top 40 pitcher next year. And if you can keep him for next to nothing, it's mm. going to be good for you. Top 40. I like the sound of that. I used to be a huge Jamison Tyone fan. He's only 8% rostered on CBS. So again, if you can pick him up and keep him for yeah. cheap well, he's, or nothing. I don't know how deep I want to go into Tyone analysis today, but um, he's he's a guy whose secondary arsenals always look great, and he just didn't throw it enough, like pitch selection issues, as a lot of Pirates pitchers had. So tell me about it, know. Joe Musgrove. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, yeah, we don't know how if he's going to be back to full force coming off Tommy John surgery, of course. But if he is, I think it bodes well. Mitch Keller threw 43 pitches over three innings during a live batting practice session on Wednesday. He could return very soon. Steven Piscotty received a cortisone shot in his wrist and will be unavailable for at least a couple days. Cattell Marte was placed on the 10-day injured list with left wrist inflammation. Quite a disappointing season here from Cattell Marte, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, obviously this has the potential to be a season ender. It won't necessarily be. But only one home run, I think, he hit. Uh, I think that it's maintained two. a high batting average, yeah. but the the batted ball profile looked a lot more like two years ago than last year. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, and as bad as second base has been on the whole, uh, he'll he'll probably still be top five going into next year, right? Uh, I don't know. Two homers this year. He's batting two ninety, barely walking. His ISO went from. 264 last season to 117 this year, so it's even lower than where it was at in 2018 when he had a 177 isolated power. Again, that is Cattell Marte. Uh, It seems like he might have been one of the beneficiaries of the juice ball, but... It does seem like he might have been, but I don't think we can say that for sure. And like I said, how many second basemen are you ranking over him? I don't think Altuve's done anything this year to warrant ranking over him. Uh... Brandon Lau, who looked that way at first, has crashed hard (laughs) over the past few weeks. Uh, I think Kevin Biggio, probably. DJ LeMayhew, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably still take Glaber over him, even though he's done nothing. But That's fair. Yep, Glaber. Yeah, Kesson Hira has him in great. Lots of strikeouts. Probably still take Ozzy Albies over him. Yeah. This position is still going to be very bad. Oh, and of course, Whit Merrifield, someone we didn't mention. Although he slowed down a lot as well, but... Yeah, I guess all that's fair. I guess I guess I could see Cattell Marte getting pushed out of the top five. But yeah, let's yep. see how the season concludes for all of those guys. Probably wind up in like the 8 to 10 range. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Chris Bryant was not in the starting lineup on Wednesday as a result of elbow soreness. He was hit by a pitch on Tuesday. Dallas Keuchel dealing with a back injury will not make his scheduled start this weekend against the Detroit Tigers. David Dahl was reinstated from the 10-day IL on Wednesday. Shinsu Chu landed on the injured list with a sprained right hand. Danny Santana underwent surgery on his right elbow and is expected to require about eight months to recover. That brings us to, like, May or potentially June, so see what happens there. Uh, Tom, 
Tommy Assuming he ever contributes anything worthwhile in fantasy again, which I think is very much an open question. Yeah, he looks like one of the legit uh, one-hit wonders from the 2019 season. Uh, Tommy Pham could return from his fractured hamate bone next week. He is 61% rostered. Any interest, Scott? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. And Jose Ramirez was back in the Indians lineup on Wednesday. He finished 0 for 2 with a walk. All right. Back to the waiver wire. I don't know how many more times I could possibly say this guy's name, so I'm just going to say it once. Please don't get mad at me. It seems like it's just been the Ryan Mountcastle podcast recently. But... He went four for four on Tuesday. He has 12 strikeouts and and six walks in 17 games. He's making a very good amount of contact. Batting average is phenomenal. He's only 50% rostered, and he has eight games next week. I'll just throw it out there. The, The roster percentage should be higher, especially in weekly leagues where he has eight games. That's it. That's all I'll say about Ryan Mountcastle. How about his teammate, DJ Stewart, Scott? The the pickup percentage has really been lacking for him. I agree. DJ Stewart, three hits on Tuesday, including his fifth home run in the last four games. He has a very high average exit velocity, a very high barrel rate, and hits a lot of fly balls, which we've seen that work out very well for Anthony Santander so far this season. Former prospect, and I mean, DJ Stewart's available everywhere if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, he's really gone on a home run binge here. Somebody who would have been nice to pick up if you were looking to make up ground in the home run category, but I can't complain too much, can I? It's it's, it's weird because his expect like he's he's putting the ball in the air so much that his expected batting average, according to Statcast, is like one thirty six. At least it was coming into this game. <laughs> Uh, strikeout rate high, obvious 35%. That's contributing to that too, or at least the end of the day at 35%. So really extreme profile right now from DJ Stewart. But he's a guy who actually didn't strike out that much over his minor league career. And last year between three levels had a 948 OPS in the minors. Uh, walks a fair amount. Power's been there. I'm not I'm I'm not ready to anoint him anything more than an interesting flyer off the waiver wire. He's 26 years old already, but I, I think there's the potential maybe DJ Stewart could become more. Really needs to trust needs to strike out less. I think that's the biggest key for him. Scott, how would you rank these hitters that are uh, rostered in 20% or less of CBS leagues? So, more so for deeper formats, but Ty France, DJ Stewart, Bobby Dahlbeck, and Garrett Cooper. How would you rank those four? Are you talking about just for for right now in a redraft league? Yeah, sure. Okay, I would probably go Cooper 1, Dahlbeck 2, Stewart 3, France 4. I think France, France would rank higher if we're talking about stashing away in the dynasty league. Uh, but he hasn't really done enough yet to give, get to get me interested in him in a redraft league. So, and, and, you know, Dahlbeck and Stewart can at least be home run specialists. Maybe if you need that kind of help in a five outfielder league, the final Baltimore Oriole that we will, will talk about today. Hopefully is Cedric Mullins, who has five hit, hits over his last two games was leading off Tuesday, stole his fifth game, uh, fifth base of the season, had, and his sprint speed is in the 87th percentile. Any interest there, Scott? Sure, in a deep league sense. I mean, any anybody who's stealing bases and playing consistently is of some interest in rotisserie leagues. I, I don't, I don't think it's a great hitter profile for for Cedric Mullins, but he's playing every day and stealing some bases. The pitchers that we should point out. Davey Garcia mentioned the name already. Seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts, zero walks. It's so interesting. He now has just two walks in three starts, and his control was rated a 45 on the prospect grading scale. So, like, he struggled with walks in the minors, and all of a sudden he he comes up here, and he's striking people out, and he's not walking anyone again. That's Davey Garcia. 14 swinging strikes on 95 pitches 
on Tuesday against the Blue Jays. Uh, 59% four-seam fastball. Average is like 92.5 miles per hour. I have heard the Yankees broadcast talk about how it's a high spin rate fastball. So um, yeah. even though he doesn't throw it very hard, it kind of plays up a little bit. He had six whiffs on the changeup. He used a slider a little bit more on Wednesday night. And not for nothing, all three of his secondary pitches, the slider, the curveball, and the changeup, have been pretty solid to this point. He's just 43% rostered on CBS. And looks like he's slated to pitch again on Monday in a six-game week, which means I think that he'll have a he'll have two starts, which will come. Yeah, assuming they don't send him down again, they sent him down right. after each of his first two starts. I, I don't I don't see how they can do it. I mean, uh, yeah, they need a fifth starter. Jordan Montgomery uh, has been terrible too. It's like they can't justify sending him down. Um, but yeah, yeah. two it, of his three starts have been great. The one that wasn't great had a high whiff rate, and as you said, I mean, the control. This is a guy who had four point five walks per nine innings in the minors last year. 67.5% of his pitches for strikes in those three starts, which I, I told you with Corbin Burns, 64 is about average. So that's that's a really high strike percentage from a guy who, uh, I mean, control is probably the biggest concern coming in. It's interesting. Where did you see that 45 rating for control? Is that MLB.com? Yes. Because I just looked it up in the Baseball America handbook, and they gave him a 55 for control, which is significantly better than 45. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, they, some they of these look things, like the soothsayers now, don't they? Yeah, these things are going to differ. Now I want to see what Fangraphs has them graded as. Uh, but Scott, would you drop? Would you drop Pablo Lopez for Davy Garcia? No, I wouldn't. But that's like I, I have a hard time imagining dropping Pablo Lopez. I feel like it'd have to be a pretty shallow league for you to even consider it. Davy Garcia probably should be picked up in most leagues after today's performance. So you'll drop... Oh, I think we already asked this. Matthew Boyd, no question. Yep. Drop him. Yeah. Um, Fangraphs has Davey Garcia as a 40 on command with, worse. with the upside to become yeah. a 50. So uh, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting how he how he has pitched thus far. And then Dane Dunning. Uh, these are the two kind of pitchers I wanted to marry together. And, and you know, which one would you rather have? Dane Dunning, six shutout on Wednesday against the... Pirates, only three strikeouts, seven swinging strikes on 78 pitches. They're very similar in terms of their roster percentage, 45% rostered for Dane Dunning, and it looks like he'll have two starts next week against the Twins and the Reds. Who would you rather have, Davey Garcia or Dane Dunning? I would rather still have Dane Dunning. He, I mean, the whiffs were so good for him in his first three starts. They weren't as good in this start, but, you know, it's it's obviously... You, you you take you take the whole rather than the the little pieces, and um, and it still comes out pr- looking pretty good for Dane Dunning, and I like that he went six innings and was efficient about it because the first three starts the most he went was five, and you know how use how useful is any pitcher who was only going five innings? You know Dane Dunning showed he's capable of going more, seventy eight pitches to get through those six innings, so it was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one reason why I might lean toward Davy Garcia is that they let Davy Garcia throw 95 pitches on Wednesday, whereas Dunning threw 78 in this start. Uh, he's been below 80 in three of his four starts. I like both of them, but if you just have to, if you're looking for a tiebreaker, splitting hairs, I think mm-hmm. I would lean with Davy Garcia over Dane Dunning. Speaking of the Yankees, we haven't spoke about Clint Frazier in a while, but he had two more hits with a stolen base on Wednesday. Now has multiple hits in four of his last six games. He's batting 288 with a 944 OPS. He's 49% rostered, so this is another one where I feel like that number should be higher. He's hitting right in the middle of the lineup. He was batting cleanup on Wednesday. Scott, who would you rather have, Mount Castle or Clint Frazier? I think Mount Castle, but it's close. It is. Uh, and looking at... Their rest of season schedules, the Yankees have 13 games left uh, heading into next week, and Baltimore has 14, so not a huge difference, but something that I have noticed. James McCann had a double dong, uh, four RBI. He's batting 333. The problem is he just doesn't play enough, right, Scott? So like, Right. You Useful know, in two catcher leagues, but not really anything else. Like, okay. It's a shame that uh, a catcher who's actually hitting well just doesn't play enough to to be of much use to most people. Uh, some deep waiver names. Uh, what happened in the Brewers' onslaught? They scored 19 runs. How did they do it? Jed Jerko, Nando DeFino favorite. Double dong. 
with uh, had two home runs in that game. Ryan Braun had three hits, a home run, and three RBI. Luis Arias had three hits and five RBI. Uh, and a gentleman named Tyrone Taylor, who is a top 30 prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers, had four hits, including his first career home run, and three RBI. Jerko, Braun, Arias, Tyrone Taylor. Any interest in deeper redraft leagues rest of season, Scott? Not really. No. I mean, what's... Jerko has seven home runs and an OPS over 1,000 now, but the data doesn't look particularly good for him. It doesn't look like he's made some big leap. Um, I guess he's hitting the ball a little harder, but striking out a ton. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really moved by Jed Jerko here, and the playing time hasn't been super consistent for him. Maybe it'll be a little more now that smoke is gone, but I don't think he's going to play regularly enough. Uh, I, like let's let's see how much more playing time Tyrone Taylor gets because he he's been up for a while now. This is only the second game he started. He was a pretty highly regarded prospect several years ago and just kind of fell off. Um, a, a guy who has some power, has some speed, doesn't didn't strike out much in the minors. A lot of infield flies, and so the BABIP was never what you expect to see for. Uh, quality minor league hitter and he's 26 years old now. So, you know, I think he kind of got pegged more as a potential fourth outfielder type than a potential star for the Brewers. But, you know, if they've decided they're out of it and they just want to give him a look for next year. And I don't know why they would have decided they're out of it yet. I don't think they're really 19 and 22. That's still in it. Right. In the NL. I feel like every um, team is still in it, technically. Yeah, I mean the AL, the AL is getting is is uh you know looking a little more settled than the NL. You know what um, I noticed, Scott? I I don't know if this happens to you either. I mean, because we're just so player oriented here on the show, like focusing on fantasy. I realize at times that I don't even know what's happening in real baseball. Like I don't know what the standings are. I don't know. Like, who's leading the playoff race or, like, the wild cards? It's, like, half the time I'm just only focusing mm-hmm. on players and their performance that I just don't even know what's happening in real baseball. And I'm like, yep. how is this possible? Like, I, I host a baseball podcast. <laughs> I know. It's funny. It's, we, we have such a granular form of analysis that we, you know, kind of overlook the the big picture that, that like general baseball writers are writing about they're kind of they kind of focus on the opposite thing we do because yeah that 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 does happen but i've been trying to pay attention to the standings (laughs) and yeah there are eight teams in the al right now that uh let's see who i don't know who comes up with the uh percent chance of making the playoffs but there are eight teams with a 90 percent chance or better which means it's basically decided uh nl a lot more wide open. There are only one, two, three, four. We'll give the Phillies. We'll round up for the Phillies and say five teams with a 90% chance or better of making the playoffs. All right. If you say it, it must be true. <laughs> I trust you, Scott. Uh, Edward Olivares, another deep name. Two more hits on Wednesday. He now has 10 hits in six games since joining the Royals and has started four straight. He's only 4% rostered. The only problem... The Royals only play five games next week. So I think this is really just a name to look at in deeper Roto leagues, you know, 15-team leagues or deeper. I think that makes sense. Uh, And then Luis Garcia, not the shortstop prospect for the Nationals, a pitcher for the Houston Astros, a top-20 prospect in their organization, apparently. Five shutout on Wednesday against the Oakland A's. Uh, Four strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. And his minor league career is pretty damn good. 54 games, 32 starts, so he's bounced around as a reliever and a starter. Again, this is Luis Garcia of the Astros. 2.50 ERA, 1.17 whip, 284 strikeouts, over 205 innings pitched. He's just 2% rostered. Anything yeah, there, was, Scott? It was 13, 13.9 K per nine last year for this Luis Garcia, and it, it was at A-ball. He, he didn't advance past A-ball, so you know he's made kind of a big leap here. As as like Chris Bubich of the of the Royals has really good changeup. Uh, I'd say he's worth monitoring. I'm not rushing out to pick him up after one good start. This was his first start, right? He had a long relief appearance earlier. 
Yeah, he had one other appearance where it was like four and a third. I, I'm not sure if that was a starter. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Double check that. But got to click on the right Luis Garcia. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think I think he's worth monitoring him. I think he's worth monitoring, but I don't think it's a rush out and pick him up right away situation. All right, here's the schedules, how things are lining up for the final two weeks. If you're looking ahead and trying to figure out who plays the most games for the rest of the season. Again, that's not including the rest of this week. It's just uh, for the final two scoring periods in fantasy baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals lead all teams. They still have 18 remaining games. The Marlins, the Pirates, and the Brewers, they all have 16 remaining games. The Phillies, and the Nationals have 15 games over the final two weeks. And then uh, all of these teams have 14 games. The White Sox, the Oakland A's, the Rockies, including six of those in Coors Field, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Orioles. Uh, the, these teams have 13 games. Um, the Yankees, the Reds, the Mets, the Astros, the Indians, the Rangers, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Rays, and then 12 games, we have the Red Sox, the Royals, the Twins, the Giants, the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Tigers, and the Cubs. And the only team that only has 11 games over the final two weeks is the San Diego Padres. Should this matter at all, Scott? Because a few people have already asked us, like, you know, should we be planning ahead already for the final couple of weeks? Would you be going out and consciously trying to add Cardinals or Marlins or Brewers only because they have more games than everyone else and vice versa. Would you be looking to drop any of your Padres? Cause they only have 11 games over the final two weeks. I think you could overthink this tremendously. Okay. Especially since, uh, well, we didn't break down exactly how many of these games are double header games, but I, I assume obviously more games means more double headers and those are only seven innings. So it's, uh, it's kind of like a, 14-inning game as opposed to two games, you know? It makes a difference. But don't overthink it. Yeah, I wouldn't overthink it. I mean, I wouldn't start a worse hitter because, it, like, in a, in a typical week, if, you know, one game difference on the schedule for one team versus another, how much of a difference does it make when setting my lineup? It would have to be the same range of hitter for it to even weigh into my decision-making. I'm not sitting a stud for a guy I just picked up off waivers because he happens to be playing a game or even two more, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it only might matter in deeper leagues because between the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Pirates and the Brewers who all have 16 or more games, like you're, you're not really chasing any of those hitters uh, in those lineups. Anyway, so uh, don't overthink it. But I know some people have been asking about uh, the final two-week schedule and, and looking forward. But don't, don't factor that in too much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to highlight some of the Mets, not just the Yankees here on Fantasy Baseball today. But we've got a little bit more to get to, some Wednesday standouts, some bullpen notes, Thursday to stream or not stream. We'll do that here right after the break. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Baseball today. And before we get into those Mets, I just want to remind you to join our Facebook group, an awesome collection of peeps, interesting questions and conversations. That's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. And also support our football brothers on FFT for more than a decade. Fantasy football today has been delivering league winning analysis and advice as part of the CBS sports podcast network. Now they're coming at you fast with a brand new feed. Don't worry. The old one will stay the same. The fantasy football today and five podcast is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer. It'll feature familiar voices like Adam, Mazer and the rest of the FFT crew, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings as they break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick hitting format. Available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Football Today and 5 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers, and anywhere else podcasts are found. All right, it's time to get to those New York Mets. Spent a lot of time talking about the Yankees, Davey Garcia, Clint Frazier. Uh-uh. Let's go those Mets. icky Yankees. Let's go Mets! Yeah! Nice little Let's Go Mets jingle there. They were... Awesome. Again, on Wednesday, Jeff McNeil, in particular, multiple hits in eight of his last 11 games. He has homered in four straight. Pete Alonzo, his first 18 games, he was batting 197 with two home runs and a 30% strikeout rate. His next 23 games, batting 261 with nine home runs and a 21% strikeout rate. And then Michael Conforto, just been rock solid. feel like we barely talk about him, but... Just doing his thing. His eighth home run on Wednesday. He's batting 340. Uh, Scott, McNeil slow start coming around. Pete Alonzo slow start coming around. Michael Conforto just consistent. Yeah. No, I, it's not surprise. Well, I, I had some concerns, I'll admit, with uh, McNeil, whether that the power surge, the fact he hit, we looked it up yesterday, 21 of his 23 home runs came in the final four months last year. He had two in the first two months. And, I, I think it was still fair to wonder which version was the real McNeil. And when he got off, like, it's, it's just fascinating, the distribution of his power production, his home run production specifically the past two years. Because uh, he just goes from not being a home run hitter to being a home run hitter at the snap of a finger. The really interesting one is Conforto because it, he's he's actually not just doing his thing this year. He is uh, better than we've ever seen him before. He's never been a great source of batting average, and yet his expected batting average is in the 90th percentile. Mm. Uh, 304 is what it, at least what it was entering today. And you know, part of it's striking out less, not ridiculously so, but less. I would imagine he's hitting line drives at a higher rate. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Yeah, I mean, at yeah. least according to to Statcast, he is. He's got a rates tw- are actually different on Baseball Savant and Fangraphs, so that's why I credit the source of the line drive right there. He he looks, he's going the opposite way a lot more too. Like he's, it, yeah, he looks like a guy who's maybe tried a little too hard to hit home runs in the past and now isn't. And uh, he's still getting the home runs, but overall the package, the, the the complete package for Michael Conforto looks like he's looking like a stud. And I, I do believe that this was in his range of outcomes because we've seen him maintain a 939 OPS over the course of 109 games back in 2017. That was his breakout season. He had 27 home runs in just 109 games. So, and then he had all the shoulder issues. So he came back a little bit too soon, 2018. And then, you know, last year he he bounced back, but never to the level that we saw again in 2017. And now this year, a 973 OPS. Yeah, I think this was in the range of outcomes. 412 batted, probably not sustainable, even with a 29.8% line drive rate. But even if he was closer to his expected batting average, around 300. Just, yeah, this is really the best version that we've seen uh, out of 
Michael Conforto. So let's go Mets. Happy that they are performing well. Scott, we had a pitcher's duel in Chicago. The Trevor Bauer revenge tour continued. His revenge against me, of course. Seven and two-thirds <laughs> shutout. Three hits. Ten strikeouts. Zero walks. His ERA down to 1.74. 14 swinging strikes on 112 pitches. That's the one thing is like, no matter where he's been, Cincinnati, Cleveland, they just let him go. I don't know if it's mm. because he's just crazy and no one wants to actually like try and take him off the mound, but he... They just leave him out there. And then on the other side, you Darvish, uh, six innings, three runs, three walks, nine strikeouts. His one mistake was a three-run home run to Mike Moustakis. Scott, would you believe this? This is you Darvish's first start with three walks since June 5th of last season. He went 26 straight starts with two walks or less. I, I do believe it because it was a major talking point in the offseason, but I am sure... Many listening at home or in their cars or wherever else they may be are dumbfounded by it. Yeah. Ridiculous. You Darvish and Trevor Bauer, both, uh, you know, two of the 10 best pitchers in fantasy this season. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with Trevor Bauer, where he lands in the offseason. Does he resign with Cincinnati? Does he wind up somewhere else? Uh, well, it's got to be really interesting to see because he has, in the past, said that once he's done with the initial uh, years of team control, dating back to his Diamondbacks days, like he's he's going to sign a one-year contract every year to to maximize his earnings. That's what he said. Um, we'll see if he actually follows through on it because obviously he's taking on a lot more risk health-wise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with his health holding up by doing that. So he's going to be a very interesting free agent case, Trevor Bauer is. Yeah, and especially based on how he's pitched this year, I would, you know, one year, what can he make? 25 25 million. 25, you think? More. More? You think oh, he'll more. make more than 25 million in a year? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, he would get 25 million over six years, probably. Well, 25 million per, right? So, like, right, yeah. right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Damn. All right. Shout out to Trevor Bauer. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, nice little bounce back. Seven innings of one-run ball. This is actually two starts in a row where he's been really good. Uh, had six strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, excuse me, three straight starts, allowing one run or less for Carlos Carrasco. 15 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. Has a two-start week. Next week, a uh, nice bounce back for Jesus Lozardo as well against the Astros. Seven innings of two-run ball with seven strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. He, he had two bad starts over his last four entering Wednesday night. Anything you want to add on those two, Scott, Carrasco, and Lazardo? Not really. I continue to be uh, underwhelmed by Luzardo's strikeouts, and I, I think he's at less than one per inning. He was right at he had seven and seven innings today, so I still I think that keeps him less than one per inning. Um, yeah, I looked this up before. I think he's at like 8.7K per nine for the season. But the whiff rate on his curveball and changeup is it's good for both. So I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's a pitch selection thing. Like he's he's showing the stuff is there to miss a lot of bats. He's the ground ball rate has been really high. Um, you know, maybe more sinkers than four seamers. Maybe that could stand to change too if he's going for strikeouts. But also, if you remove the one terrible start he had, um. Obviously, I don't have the updated numbers with tonight's performance added in, but if you move that one awful start he had, his ERA would be, I, I believe, below three for the season. So it's things are going well for him. I'm just a little underwhelmed in the strikeout department. Yeah, and I'll always reference that one really bad start for Lazardo because he found out he was pitching the day of. So mm-hmm. like that was the game where Montas got placed on the IL or... You know, just push back because he was dealing with back stiffness. So I, I don't really hold that against Jesus Lozardo. And if anyone sees the overall numbers heading into next year and they're thinking about fading him, I would caution against doing so. The last few things I did want to mention, uh, Danny Duffy, five and two-thirds shutout with only four strikeouts. He is at Detroit next week, which on paper looks like a good matchup, but they're actually really good against left-handed pitching. They're like third and weighted on base average against lefties this year. So keep that in mind. Happy Glaber Day. Looks like he might be coming around two for five with a home run, four RBI. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, four for four on Wednesday with his eighth stolen base. He's batting 322. 
The only thing that sucks about this is that he will not have catcher eligibility heading into next season. Womp womp. Oh yeah, this is this is basically a one and done situation for Kiner Falefa's fantasy relevance, at least in standard mixed leagues. Uh, maybe a steel specialist next year. I don't know. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, bruh, just took you in the second round of our 2021 mock. What's going on? Five innings, four runs, three of those earned, only three strikeouts at Arizona. It's supposed to be a good matchup. Boo! Boo this man, Clayton Kershaw. Zach Davies, another quality start against the Rockies. Six innings, three runs, eight strikeouts. The ERA is now 2.48. Three runs or less in all eight starts this season. 14 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. That's with 45% change-ups, which is like 79 miles per hour. Take that, Scott. Take that. That's what you get for doubting Zach Davies. How dare you? Oh, come on. You were right there with me. Yeah, that's true. Come on. <laughs> I am starting... I, I may be starting to come around to Zach Davies a little. Uh, swinging strike rate, best of his career. It, and it's been even better over his past four starts. It's been... It's been Zach Wheeler like, which sound, over his last four starts, which sounds really impressive. But Zach Wheeler's already always been notoriously bad with the swinging strikes. I don't know. The XFIP for Zach Davies is just around 425 at this point, which is not terrible. It's it's not great, of course, but it's not terrible. So I may like there may be some usefulness here. I just don't know that I'm going to come all the way around fast enough for it to be of any benefit to anybody this year. I'd, I'd still rather stay away, I think. Scott, if it were like May, if it was mid-May and we were you know two months into a normal season, I would be yelling at people to sell high on Zach Davies if you can just yeah, get no, anything for him. So I, I'm fair. right there with you. Like it's, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. Like He's changed up the pitch mix this year. He's pitching really well. As Scott mentioned, his XFIP and his Sierra is up over four. So... I don't think that it would actually be sustainable over a full season. Some bullpen notes. Greg Holland was back for more on Wednesday, this time as the closer. He picked up his third save of the season. Josh Stalmont was used in the eighth. Jesse, Jesse Hahn was used in the seventh. Edwin Diaz nailed down a save in a one-run game for the Mets. And just like that, his ERA is 1.89. Riceley Glacius had a clean save. Trevor Rosenthal picked up another save for the San Diego Padres. Ryan Presley. Recorded just two outs, allowed a run in the ninth in a tie game, which means he took the loss. The name, I guess, to pay attention to behind him, I just feel like they're going to ride it out with Presley, uh, but Enoli Paredes is someone who has pitched quite consistently in the eighth inning. The numbers are not terrible for him either. Uh, and then Kevin Ginkle allowed two runs, one of which was the runner that starts on second base. So that was an unearned run, but it's kind of been a, been a mixed bag from Kevin Ginkle. Anything you want to add there, Scott, specifically on the... Astros or Diamondbacks? Yeah, I'm not really worried about Presley. He's he's actually been great since his... Basically, from the third game of the season on, he's allowed a total of four earned runs, including this game. So, I think he's fine. And yeah, I mean, Rosenthal's the guy, right? It sure looks like Rosenthal's the guy. He was, he was acquired... A week and a half ago, and this was only the second time he's been able to put it to the test to see who the Padres go to in a save situation. And both times it's been Rosenthal with Drew Pomerantz consistently working more of a setup role. So that's good. Thursday to stream or not to stream. The must starts that I have here. Garrett Cole versus Baltimore. Jack Flaherty versus the Detroit Tigers. Dylan Bundy versus the Rangers. Aaron Savali versus the Royals. And Sonny Gray at the Cubs. Scott, would you start Chris Paddock at home against the Giants? I can't believe that we're at this point, but I don't think he's a must-start pitcher. I don't think so either, and the Giants have scored a lot of runs this year. I still think I'd do it. How about Dustin May at Arizona? Yeah. On the other side, Madison Bumgarner going up against the Dodgers. No way. Keegan Aiken at the Yankees, who has made two solid starts against the Yankees. I don't care about Keegan Aiken. Aiken. Enough with the Keegan Aiken. <laughs> it's it's a really hard name to say. First of all, Keegan Aiken. What what did what did he ever do to you, Scott? Come on. Uh, I don't know. Keegan Aiken. He's <laughs> he's got to do a lot more to me to uh, raise my interest. Tariq Skubal at the Cardinals. That sounded weird too. 
Um, <laughs> no, I want it. Jordan Zimmerman at the Cardinals. Jordan Zimmerman, really? No. <laughs> Jose Arquiti at Oakland. Didn't didn't get great results his first outing, and he's still stretching out. So no. Shawmanaya versus the Astros. He's been okay recently, but it's yeah. No, I'd rather not. How have the Astros been against lefties? Eh, they're seventh in weighted on base average. Yeah, probably wouldn't do it either. Kyle Gibson versus the Angels. Nope. Brady Singer at Cleveland. Nope. Josh Fleming versus the Boston Red Sox. Nope. Jake Arrieta at Miami. Nope. Sandy Alcantara versus the Phillies. Yes. Oh, we finally found one. And Adbert Alzale against the Reds. No, thank you. Well, thank you, Scott. And that'll do it here on the show. Thank you all for listening and watching on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. He is Scott. I am Frank. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.